This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Rico. The Mets lose two out of three to the Los Angeles Dodgers. I want to make something very, very clear. I have a regret that I want to get at right at the top. I regret that after the Mets lost Saturday night to the Dodgers in what was easily not their worst loss of the year, but their most pathetic loss of the year. I regret that we didn't do a podcast right then and there because I don't want this edition of the Rico to be a, hey, they won a game on a Sunday night. Hey, uh, you know, they won a game. Okay, go beat the White Sox. Here we go. Like the anger that we all had from Saturday and from Friday should still exist in this podcast. And I'm going to do my best to rekindle all the disgust I had from Friday and Saturday. But I think part of the problem when you do a pod after a series is over the thing that's freshest in your mind is what happened in game three. And in the case of the Mets, it was a win. Now, it wasn't the most impressive win in the world, but it was a win. And there's something that tastes great about a victory. So we'll spend some time on the win, but we need to rekindle the anger and the passion that we had from Friday and Saturday. So I want to apologize to Pete Hoffman. I want to apologize to those that send angry emails saying, where was your instant reaction from Saturday? You're right. And I don't even have a good excuse. My whole family was sleeping. I watched the game live. I wasn't at the game Saturday. I went Friday and I went Sunday. So I I missed the most pathetic game live. I really had no excuse not to give you an instant reaction. Rico Hawk was doing the overnight. So he was up raring to go. So my apologies. In fact, as my way of giving back, let's start with Saturday. Now, usually we start sometimes with the finale of a series. Sometimes we go in chronological order and start from the beginning of a series. I actually want to go to the middle game of this series because here we are off a three-game losing streak now, the final two games before the break, and then the limp effort they gave on Friday night where Brandon Nimmo just misses a home run, ends up with a double, and then the Met offense goes on vacation. We go into Saturday with Kodai Senga against Tony Gonsolin. And we go into Saturday with Kodai Senga throwing another just brilliant game. Wasn't his most brilliant game, but it's certainly up there. He makes the one mistake to Mookie Betts on a ball that I still can't believe got out. He swatted one to right field, and somehow it went out in what I like to call the Chase Utley corner because Chase Utley hit so many freaking home runs in that right field corner at City Field, I think more than anybody, that I basically named it after him. So Mookie hits that home run. Kodai striking the world out. 
He gets out of trouble in the sixth inning, pitches a hell of a game. And other than the Brandon Nimmo home run that tied the game up at one in the fourth inning, the Met offense continued what it had from Friday, which was being absolutely pathetic. And I earned that. And we'll get to this later. A lot of the reaction in our Rico Bronia email were people mad at me. I had a lot of Met fans pissed at me saying, I listened to the midseason recap you did with Pete. And Evan, you were too soft on the offense. You were too soft on the offense. Yes, the pitching sucks. Yes, the pitching has been a big part of their failures. But too soft on the offense. And what does the Met offense do to come out in the second half? Make me look like a freaking clown. That's what they do. They get one goddamn hit on Friday. They do nothing on Saturday against Tony Gonsolin. They're even given a gift from my cousin, Dave Roberts, who for some reason takes Tony Gonsolin out after five innings. Can you imagine? I know we have some crossovers. We have some Yankee fans that like to be voyeuristic. Can you imagine Aaron Boone? taking a guy out after five brilliant innings and 54 pitches and essentially saying, I just wanted him to leave with confidence, which I think is what he said about Domingo Herman last week, but it wasn't to the extreme 54 pitches in five innings. And certainly the Mets had some good at bats against him in the fifth inning, hit a couple of balls hard. Even Daniel Vogel back at one of the warning track, Francisco Alvarez hit a ball hard. DJ Stewart almost hit a home run. I get all that. But Dave Roberts pulls him after five innings. And Met fans, trust me when I say this. I know you're not going to believe me if you only watch the Mets' performance against the Dodgers. The Dodger bullpen has sucked all year. Not this weekend. No, no. Not this freaking weekend. Alex Vesia is, you know, Randy Johnson out of the bullpen in his prime. I'm sorry, I should have come up with like Billy Wagner in his prime. I don't know why I'm going to Randy Johnson. Came out of the bullpen in a playoff game a couple of times. What are we talking about? But that's what they made Alex Vesey look like. He barely broke a sweat getting all his freaking outs. Bruiser Gratterall. I shouldn't use him as an example. He's had a good year. Caleb Ferguson is ridiculous. And they're mowing the Mets down. So on Saturday, game two of this series, three-game losing streak, Dave Roberts gives the gift from the gods of going to the Dodger bullpen. Alex Vesia, one, two, three. Brewster Gratterall can't throw a strike in the seventh inning, walks the leadoff man. What happens? Boom, boom. Jeff McNeil pops up. Pete Alonso grounds into the easiest double play in the world. And then we get to the eighth inning. The eighth and ninth inning of this baseball game was really the epitome of this season. And I thought that Joe Davis, who called the game on Fox, nailed it. Now, he also made one big mistake, which I'm going to get to in a second. But Joe Davis, after the Brett Beatty drop in the ninth inning, I think essentially said, this is the Mets season, and he's right. But let's go deeper than that, Joe Davis, because you don't watch every Met game. What really was the Mets season was what happened with Pete Alonso in the eighth inning of this game. Pete has been dreadful offensively. We'll spend some more time on that later. But he has been great defensively. He even began the eighth inning by robbing Will Smith of a base hit. And we've said it on this pod. Pete's been great. Pete's been great. Pete's been great. You've got first and third, one out, eighth inning. And David Peralta hits a ground ball, double play ball. And Pete Alonzo makes just a slightly, slightly bad throw. Not the worst throw in the world. Didn't throw it in the left field, but he throws it high enough for Lindor to have to come up off the bag 
come back down, eventually tag second base, and David Peralta beats it. And what happens? The Dodgers take the lead. And what do we all know in that moment? The Mets ain't scoring a goddamn run. We all know in that moment, oh, crap, this game is over. And look, I put a lot of this on Adam Adovino because Adam Adovino comes in and he gives up a base hit to Max Muncy, who's hitting 195. He gives up a base hit to J.D. Martinez. And while he got the ground ball double play on David Peralta, he put himself in the spot where one tiny little miscue can cost you. And more so than the Beatty drop, that play, and I'm not meaning to kill Alonzo defensively because, again, he's been great defensively. He's been terrible offensively, which, again, we'll get to. But that slightly high throw felt like the baseball game to all of us, and it essentially it was. And so even though Adovino worked his way through the inning, and that was the only run he gave up, it's a two-to-one baseball game on not an error by Pete Alonzo, but a miscue. So that's part number one that epitomizes this Mets season. But what really may take the cake is the bottom of the eighth inning. Because in the bottom of the eighth inning, Tommy Pham works his Pham magic, 10-pitch at-bat, draws a walk, pinch-hitting for Daniel Vogelback. They get a base hit from Francisco Alvarez, which is great to see because he's been cooled off recently. They have first and third and nobody out down a run. And we are all thinking the same thing. How are they going to find a way to not score this run? How it, Granted, it's the bottom of the order, but you're facing Caleb Ferguson. Can they find a way, not even to take the lead? As much as I want them to score two runs and take the lead, just tie the effing game. Just tie the game. At, at minimum, with first and third, nobody out, tie the game. And here's where Joe Davis completely screwed up, and I will not forgive him. And this is why I should go to games. Because when I stay home and I hear these broadcasters, they say things that piss me off. So first and third, nobody out. Here comes Mark Canada, pinch hit for DJ Stewart. By the way, no issue with this. All right, I'm with Buck on the managing so far. He goes to fam for Vogelback. Great. Now he's going to Canada for DJ Stewart. No brainer. Your other option is Starling Marte, but we later found out Starling Marte was barfing. So he was not feeling well. Little did we know we would all begin barfing right after this inning was over. So Mark Canna comes up, and Joe Davis says, son of a bitch. Joe Davis says, you know, Mark Canna is very quietly having a good year. Is he, Joe? Is he? He's lost his everyday left field job. He's not an everyday player anymore. He's a 240 hitter with a seven-something OPS who's averaged defensively in left field, who has not nearly had the clutch here he had a year ago. And you're trying to tell us, us schmucks, who are spending a Saturday night watching Mets-Dodgers, you're going to try to tell us that Mark Hanna is secretly like it's, like it's quiet. <sighs> don't make a noise. Don't make a peep. You don't want to wake Timmy. Mark Hanna's having a good year. Up your ass, man. First pitch, what does Mark Hanna do? He pops up. <laughs> pops up. Dude, I would have taken a 6-4-3 double play because at least it ties the game. And he pops up in foul territory to Freddie Freeman. Milliseconds after Joe Davis tells us, yay, Mark Hanna quietly having a good year. We were dead from that moment. D-E-D, -E -D, dead. Brett Beatty 
put together the limpest, most pathetic at-bat soon after. I mean, capping off maybe one of the most pathetic all-around performances one can have. Brett Beatty was 0 for 3. Hear me out on this. I would put up Brett Beatty Saturday night with any dog shit performance I've ever seen. He was 0 for 3 with three strikeouts. There was one pitch out of the strike zone that he didn't swing at. So I think he saw 10 pitches, nine strikes. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team over three the only reason he didn't have a golden sobrero is because the met offense wasn't able to give him a fourth at bat and then you combine it with the drop pop up in the ninth inning <laughs> holy crap i mean brett Beatty, and i'm not dfaing him i'm not sending him back to triple a i'm not packaging him for a middle reliever i'm not giving up on brett Beatty, but i'm calling out that his performance on Saturday was as putrid as you'll ever see. And he strikes out meekly on three pitches. And then poor Luis Guillorme. That guy never had a shot. And if Marte is that sick, then obviously he was, because that's a no-brain pinch hit spot. No-brainer. Lefty-lefty, Luis Guillorme? I mean, it's what are we talking about? So obviously Marte was very, very, very sick. Because it left us sick watching Gourmet strike out on three pitches. The one saving grace was, and this is not a saving grace, but the one minor saving grace is, all right, they left the top of the order up in the ninth inning. And so while they probably won't score a run against Devin Phillips, at least they've got guys with a half a shot coming up in the ninth inning. And then we're put out of our misery. We're put out of our misery because Buck Showalter in a one-run game decided that Grant Hartwig, as well as he's pitching, being called up, gives the Mets the best opportunity to keep it a one-run game against the top of the Dodger batting order that includes Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Will Smith. So my first guess from Saturday was, how is David Robertson not in this game? I think that's an obvious one. He had not pitched the night before. We are just coming off the All-Star break, and the Mets have an off day on Monday. So you can't even look at, well, I can't pitch him Saturday and Sunday. This is why we should have done an instant reaction, because I would have screamed about this for five minutes. The reason I can't is because Buck Showalter did reveal on Sunday night after the Mets win that David Robertson was sick on Saturday. And as much as Pete rolled his eyes right now, and I want to roll my eyes, what are we going to do here? If the guy's sick and he's throwing up like Starling Marte, 
Do we really want him pitching the ninth inning against the top of the order? And yeah, you could argue that's still better than Grant Hartwig. If the guy can't play, the guy can't play. So Saturday night, did I feel that way? No, because we didn't know. How the hell did we know? We wouldn't know. Unless we're in the toilet with David Robertson, how do we know what's going on? What's going in or out? We have no idea. But we did find out Sunday night he was sick. Knowing that, are there better options than Grant Hartwig? I hate to say this, not really. (laughs) Because Grant Hartwig had pitched well. And you want to go to Drew Smith? How did Drew Smith do the night before? Exactly. You want to go to Trevor Gott? Until Sunday, we had no idea how bad Trevor Gott was. Trevor Gott was fine, but I guess you could have gone to him. Want to go to David Peterson on a back-to-back? Not really. So I guess knowing that Robertson was sick, it it puts you in a spot of, well, who the hell are you going to go to? And the truth is, as bad as Grant Hartwig was, he was halfway out of this jam when he got Max Muncy to pop up to third base, and Brett Beatty lost it in what, the moon? I don't know what he lost it in, but he couldn't catch an easy pop-up, which allowed Mookie Betts to score. And then, yeah, the Dodgers tacked on J.D. Martinez, RBI single, David Peralta, RBI single. And by that point, Cat's out of the bag. Mets are down 5-1. to one. This game is over. They are not rallying in the ninth inning down 2-1, to one, but at least you wanted to see them have that shot. And it was eliminated because this team found a new way, a unique way to stick it up our ass. A defensive miscue by Pete Alonso, a failed first and third nobody out rally in the eighth, and then with David Robertson under the weather, weather, Grant Hartwig couldn't overcome a monumental miscue by Brett Beatty dropping a pop-up, which off the bat, you could see he was in trouble. As soon as he turned sideways, you could see he was in trouble. And I hate to agree with A.J. Pruszynski because he's an ass, But Francisco Lindor, when you see Beatty's in trouble, and you should have seen it immediately, do you go over and try to call him off and make the play? Lindor's kind of watching, and then eventually runs over and covers third base. But I could see it at home that Beatty was in trouble. So if I could see it, you just wonder, can Lindor notice it? Did he notice it? And then can you react by saying, let me bail this kid out. It's a high pop-up. I've got time to get over. And he didn't. Ultimately, it's on Brett Beatty, and ultimately, it's on the Met offense that managed three base hits. Mookie Betts had more base hits on Saturday night than the New York Mets. That is the truth. So we could package this mess into however you want. The offense did nothing. That's clearly culprit number one. The defense found a way to make big miscues. That's clearly issue number two. And uh, we're all there watching it which is our problem. That's issue number three. Saturday night was not the worst loss of the year, Pete, but it was clearly the most pathetic loss of this season. Yeah, and there's a couple things that came out of it too. You touched on Pete, what we're going to get to, but Brett Beatty, I'm sorry. If if we and you and I don't agree that the Mets are basically done now, this is basically after the series, the way the lifelessness of this team it's a wrap on the season. I feel like they're completely done. It's it's time to sell. I'm frustrated. You're frustrated. We can't be satisfied with the win on Sunday and be like, all right, let's throw a party. But if this was a team that was winning games and was fighting for a playoff spot, you'd have to send Brett Beatty down. I know that you you don't want to, but he's done nothing offensively. He's hit one home run since May 19th. His defense is continuously shaky. And at this point in time, 
he is just kind of over his head. Meanwhile, I have other kids I see that are in the minors that, that are ripping the ball and they don't get a shot. I, I don't get it. I understand and respectfully at this point it's too late. So play him every day. But if this was a really uh, competitive season, you can't play him anymore. The only reason I, I mean, it's, it's moot because I'm not arguing with you that they're dead. They're eight and a half games out of a playoff spot. And they came out of the all-star break lifeless and winning a salvage game against the Dodgers doesn't change that. But I want to bring up two names. The local name is obviously Anthony Volpe and how much better he's played with the Yankees sticking with him. But I, I'm going to give you a non-local name. And if you want to look up the stats to know what I'm talking about, Gunnar Henderson got off to just an abysmal start. Gunnar Henderson in the middle of May was hitting, I'm not joking, 170. Like, as bad as Volpe was, he was never that bad. And Gunnar Henderson was down to 170. And the Orioles were winning, so it makes things easier. They continued to run him out every single day. They ran him out every single day. If you look at his numbers now, I'll tell you, he's up to 245 with an 800 OPS. And so I think sometimes with young players, and in Henderson's case, and in Volpe's case, those are two teams that are in a pennant race, despite the Yankees' recent issues. They're in a race. They're not buried. The Orioles are basically running away with a wild card spot. And yet, those two teams in the middle of a pennant race said, we've got prized prospects that we really believe in, and we're going to run them out every single day. So I don't think the Mets are in a pennant race. But even if they were, I would actually fight back on that with Beatty and say, yes, as bad as Saturday was, as bad as he's played for over a month, you're right. I can't argue with the way he's played how Limpy's looked offensively, I think I'd still run him out there every day. Now, we're in an easy spot because at eight and a half games back of a wild card spot, of course you're going to run him out there every day. So my disgust from Saturday is any fan's disgust. He he was awful. Like, I'm calling it like it is. He was 0 for 3 with three strikeouts, and he saw 10 pitches, and he dropped the pop-up that cost him the game. I mean, pound for pound, it does not get much worse than Brett Beatty's Saturday night. But when I went to the ballpark on Sunday, did I want to see his name on the lineup card? Of course I did. And guess what Brett Beatty did in his first at-bat in the second inning? Lead-off base hit the right field. Eh, let's, not, let's not have a party. We're not having a parade for this. But it was at least nice to see. And I thought when he came up in the ninth inning on Sunday with a runner on second and two outs right after the immortal DJ Stewart stole second base, I did think for a second, boy, this would be a great capper for Brett Beatty. Wouldn't it for Brett Beatty the following night to get a game-winning hit, which he didn't do. <laughs> he, grabbed, he grabbed it out to third base. But I did think about it for a second. So I think with young players, we all just have to have patience. Now, that patience will not last forever. There's going to come a point where you say, I've seen enough. He ain't the answer. It is not fair for me to do that in the midst of year one. And I think that those two examples I gave in Anthony Volpe and Gunnar Henderson, more so Gunnar because he's really put it together, more so than Volpe. But those are examples of why you got to be patient. But Saturday sucked, man. It was a dreadful performance all the way around. And, and I think what makes this difficult is that it's everybody. I mean, when you look at offensively how bad it's been, like Pete Alonso has been in a massive batting slump for what feels like months. And I think it's too easy to just point to the injury and say, well, when he, since he's come back, he's hitting 150. Well, what about the three weeks before that? What about the month before that? 
Pete Alonso over the first month felt like MVP Pete, as you'd say, MVP. And he's been nothing close to that. And the only reason his numbers still look halfway respectable is because he had so many home runs early that you can look at the 26 home runs and 61 RBIs and, and rationalize it by saying, well, he should still hit 40 and 100. Well, well, yeah, okay. He was also on pace for 60 and 130 not that long ago, and his batting average is sinking like a stone. And I know we live in a world in which, ah, batting average. Look at Max Muncy. It's so overrated. <laughs> it, it's not underrated. It's not overrated. He hasn't done a damn thing. He's not getting any hits. So Pete's a problem. Francisco Lindor came out of the All-Star break, and he's been a problem offensively. Made a very good defensive play Sunday night. But defensive play, uh, offensively, he did nothing in this series. Jeff McNeil has pretty much picked up where he left off and has done nothing. I mean, it's really everybody in this three-game series outside of Brandon Nimmo. He was the one guy who at least looks like he's sort of out of his slump. He got robbed a couple of times, uh, specifically on Sunday. Hit a ball to deep center field, and James Outman made a great catch. He hit the home run in game two of this series. And remember, he's the guy with the ball that looked like a home run in game one and it bounced off the top of the fence for a double. So offensively, they are a mess all the way around. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 